Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode on the Alacrity Payments Podcast. I'm your host, Katarine Gomez, and today we're going to explore one of the hot trending topics in the payments industry, request for pay, also known as RFP. I'm here with an industry expert who has years of experience, Mark Ranta. He is our payments practice lead here at Alacrity. Thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Happy to be here. This is your second time, I believe, on the podcast. I'm very excited to talk more about this topic with you. Yeah, I've been, I've been waiting anxiously by my phone for a call for a repeat. So, Trust <laughs> me, I hope to have you more often here. <laughs> so before we get into RFP, I know it's important to talk about real-time payments since it's a big primer of RFP. Um, can you start with us to explain to us what real-time payments are and how it's different compared to other channels such as Zelle, Venmo, and other wallet platforms? Yeah, certainly. So when we talk about real-time payments and RTP in particular, the biggest thing to understand or or to, to highlight that it is different than other payment types is it's a credit push model. So when we look at most payment types, there's a concept of pull payments or debiting an account. When we turn to RTP, there's no concept of that. Everything has to originate from the ODFI or the originating deposit financial institution. And the owner of that account's website or mobile device or however they're going to initiate that transaction, that's where the transaction starts. So it's dissimilar from ACH and, and some of the other payment types out in the market, credit cards and debit cards, where you go to a store and actually get acquired. They acquire the transaction. So that that concept of acquiring a payment and then debiting my account goes away when we talk about RTP. So when we talk about the new faster payments models, and RTP is one of them, FedNow is in pilot and coming online, the concept of debit goes away. And and from a typical consumer um, like ourselves out in the market, it's a really big switch in how to think about the payment. So just looking at RTP or real-time payments as just a faster way to do a payment doesn't get to the heart of the difference in the model at the true engine level and that back-end connectivity from the bank to the network on what it really means. So all of the concepts in the way that we do commerce today are based on models that are, are shifting and changing and, and RTP is going to start that. So from the biggest sense, understanding what RTP is and that bank-to-bank connection and the fact that it is only credit push. You can, the only way transactions work is by the consumer going and starting the transaction from their bank or the business going into their business account and starting the transaction from their bank. It's just a completely different experience than we're used to. And that is where you have to kind of start this conversation. And I think that's a great point that you make. Um, because RTP is definitely evolving. And how does that tie in with RFP? So what is RFP, request for pay? Yeah, so request for pay is basically the network's way of compensating for not having that debit capability. So request for pay or RFP, um, the, the international way of talking about it is RTP, request to pay. I guess the clearinghouse didn't want to confuse RTP with their transaction RTP. So um, request to pay is that, yeah, request to pay is that international version. Zelle actually has it in their functionality and the Fed is going to introduce it with FedNow. So 
this idea of requesting to be paid or requesting for payment is when a business or a consumer can actually send a note saying you owe me for a product or good or service or just money in an amount and, and you're requesting to be paid. That message is being sent through the payment network. So it's not like sending a text message saying, hey, send me money. It's, it's literally coming through the bank channel to be delivered to your bank account and then displayed to you as the consumer to say, or the, the consumer or individual to say, yes, I will pay this. This is a good, this is a good debit request. I'm going to actually hit pay. That request then flips into that credit push model that we were just talking about. So kind of layering in that inability to do a debit, but they've created a message to create a, 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 a request to be paid or a request for payment RFP is, is really what we're talking about. And it's, it's interesting because when, when I talk to a lot of financial institutions and our clients, it's an experience that a lot of people have already had. If you have your Venmo account or Square Cash app or um, PayPal, you can send these requests today. You, you send them to your friends all the time. It's, hey, we just, you know, splitting dinner, put an emoji in and Venmo and say, you know, request, I, I'd like to, you to pay me. That's a request for payment. And what, what you're doing on the consumer side is you're accepting that and saying, no funds are going to go to you until I the consumer say, yep, this is good. I'm good with that. Or you can decline it. And the same holds true with the request for pay model. A biller or a merchant or a friend can send you a request to be paid. You can decline it or you can accept it or you can do nothing and just let it sit in that wallet or sit in the experience. And eventually it'll time out or go away. That request for pay model, I think a lot of us have already had that experience, but we don't have it yet outside of the P2P model. And that's where I think this thing gets really exciting and interesting because there's a lot of value propositions that could be put in place from a business perspective or a workflow perspective that could be built off of. Whether we're talking about e-commerce or billing, eBPP solutions could play on this, in-person commerce uh, at the point of sale, leveraging a QR code to start that request for pay process. There's a lot of fun things to talk about when you, when you put the model in place and get volume going on it. But again, these are building blocks that you build those use cases off of. I honestly use the more of the P2P model, but then I also see for me, it's easier if my bank sends me a notification to make a payment. It's just easier for me if I, so I don't forget and I don't forget to make a payment. It's there and it's much easier with a click of a button, you know? And I think that's what is appealing and attractive about requests for pay is how simple and easier it is for both um, the bill payee and the biller. There's, there's all sorts of use cases, but that ability to do things at the pace the consumer wants and setting it up to say, hey, this could be an immediate need. And, you know, you can't walk out of the store until you accept the payment and you can't walk out with the, your, your bag of goods at the counter and walk out the store without hitting accept. But for some workflows like bill payment, sometimes you don't want to do it immediately. You see it come in, you see the request. You could be notified a, like a text message saying, you know what, I, I don't have time to think about this right now. I'm going to do it when I want to do it. The real key there is putting the experience and the control in the consumer's hands. And I think when at Alacrity, one of our big things is enabling your clients to pay how they want to pay when they want to pay. Request for payment's a perfect extension of that. It's not forcing you to go to a bill or website or go to, go to a place to make a transaction that kind of adds to it it kind of allows you to aggregate them and, and bring them all together so that you can sit down on the couch on a Friday night and do three or four of them all at once and, and be done with it. And for me, that- Oh yeah, again, it's that, so much faster. Experience. That is such a great point. It is so yeah. much faster and so much more convenient, um, especially if like you had like a long day and you just want to relax. It's 
a click of a button. That's it. And I think, again, from the, the conversations that you've been having on the Zoomer financial habits, a, a lot of a lot of that ownership and at an industry level, we've talked about customization. Sometimes the customization's in the workflow and, and kind of mm-hmm. giving the control to the consumer. And from a banking industry perspective, we haven't had many tools that allow that. And as I said, this, this is one of them that you can start kind of giving the control and ownership to the consumer and let them drive the experience a little bit. So from a, a usability standpoint, I think it really does tie into some of the other areas that you've been exploring and, and, and really kind of helps banks and credit unions take some of that ownership back and personalization and really turning this more into a customer experience enhancement than a net new um, product or service. Yeah, you, may, you brought up a great point about, uh, you touched upon generation. I think for Zoomers and even for millennials, it's something that we, we look for conveniency, easy access. I don't consider Zoomers lazy at all. We just look for an easy way out to do things because um, we're either in school or um, we're working jobs while going to school. It's just, it's a lot. And, and to just, you know, make a payment that simple and that easy, it's just, it's, it's attracting our generation a lot, especially the Zoomer generation. And again, I, at an industry level, we've talked about things in e-commerce like cart abandonment for a very long time. And a transaction or a, a, a workflow that takes more than seven seconds, you know, you, you start to lose people very quickly. So I think that's generationally, it, it applies across millennial, Zoomer, Gen X, and, and Boomer as well. I, I think from a, again, from that workflow perspective, it's, it's, not, it's not laziness by any means. It's more convenience and efficiency. And that making things more convenient and efficient creates a better experience. And that ability to kind of, as I said, aggregate some of this and and do banking when it needs to be done or in an experience that makes sense is is really what we need to be aiming for. So uh, again, any tool that we can make things and people's lives easier and more efficient and spend less time doing a task, uh, the better. I couldn't agree with you more. And another thing is how can financial institutions benefit from RFP, those who aren't using it right now? Yeah. So one, if you're not doing it today, you're not alone. We had a conversation with the Clearinghouse just the other day on usage and number of folks in the on the network. And I believe their number finally hit 200 financial institutions. So that still leaves 9,000 some odd financial institutions that are not participating in the network yet. Great growth opportunity. And one, I hope more and more folks keep joining the network. So from an RTP perspective, we're still very much in the growth perspective. They do reach about 60%, 62% of all DDA accounts. So while the total number of institutions still small on the overall relative scale, the number of accounts accessible were well over half and growing. So from that availability standpoint, more than one out of every two accounts are accessible via the RTP network. For those institutions also kind of concerned about getting on the network and the send capacity. A lot of, a lot of folks are starting that journey on receive, um, being able to receive funds from the network and, and inbound money. I think it's about 170 of the 200 are receive only today. So that means there's 30 sending. So in terms of where we are on that adoption curve, don't worry, you're not late, but the, the boat's leaving the harbor. And I, and I, again, for me, the, the growth of the network, the amount of emphasis that is being put on real-time payments 
And quite frankly, the focus on request for payment in particular of that workflow, as I said, it's kind of a key to unlocking a lot of different use cases. That's where I'd sit and say, if I'm a financial institution, I'm going to miss out on the early adopter phase of this and the ability to recoup revenue and create net new revenue opportunities. A lot of what real-time payments starts to do is shake the foundation of the financial institution's payment infrastructure. And if you think about that, you can start re-engineering revenue opportunities and creating net new product. And request for payment is a workflow that could start disrupting things like bill pay, things like e-commerce, things like in-person commerce that are too valuable and attractive to ignore. And, and again, for those that are in the audience today that, that are, are leveraging you know, credit cards and issuing and acquiring, and that's a big part of your business, this is an area that is a good hedge against the, change, the changing and shifting tides that could come to play. Will it replace cards? Will it replace credit? Will it replace debit? I honestly, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I think, uh, honestly, I think the way that we think about those today is changing. I think the prospect of changing to request for pay and changing to real-time payments at the core is something that I would take as a potential growth inhibitor to those, those areas. I don't think we're going to see the same growth of credit and debit that we saw over the last 10 years. I think real-time payments and request for payment are going to eat into those growth opportunities that we saw in the last 10 years. And quite frankly, I think it's going to start eating away some of the existing volume. So I do think that there is going to be a tipping point at some point, whether it's next year, whether it's the launch of FedNow in 23, whether it's, you know, 25, 2030, there's, I couldn't tell you when that date's going to be. I just know that there is a lot of foundational changes happening in the market. And I would advise everyone to start making plans on how to adapt to those changing ecosystems before it's too late. And you lose that opportunity like we did with the P2P space. Again, we didn't have real-time payments available, which cleared the way for the Zelle network to stand up. And I know that's a bank network, but Zelle, the clear exchange into Zelle and Venmo and PayPal all took advantage of the fact that you as a consumer were unable to transact in real time from your account to another account. That was not available at a network level. We've released that pressure at the industry level and really with RTP, that's something that we can do. And think about all the fun things that you can build on top of that now that that's possible. I love the the boats in the harbor. Is that what you said? Uh, the boats are leaving the harbor. Yeah, the, the, train, the leaving train is the... leaving the station. Uh, that's a great way to put it. Uh, but I, I do agree now is a good time for finance institutions to begin modernizing their, their payments infrastructure and the payments industry is evolving rapidly. RTPs and RFPs will become the foundational offer for new products and services to customers. So um, thank you, Mark, for highlighting that and for joining us today. I'll be waiting by the phone for the next call. <laughs> All right. Um, but no, again, thank you so much. And if our listeners want to learn more about RFP or other trending topics in the payments industry, please check out our website at alacrity.com. Under our resources section, you will find blogs, webinars, blogs that even Mark has written, and much more.